Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. I hope you guys are all doing well. Uh, it's been all go here this week, getting ready for Christmas, selling events, doing all of that kind of good stuff that we normally do. This week's episode, we're calling it the Genesis episode. Uh, we're talking very briefly about uh, Enya's Shepherd Moon album, uh, and you'll, we'll tell you the reasons for that in the podcast. And then we spend the rest of the episode talking about We Can't Dance by Genesis. Uh, had a few texts in on the subject of that from uh, from listeners, Dave Roddy, uh I was wondering whether No Son of Mine was a continuation of The Living Years by Mike and the Mechanics. It's, a, it's plausible. Beat Rehab saying the video for I Can't Dance never sat with him because it was an oxymoron. Has the making of the video as a large feature of the video, which is crazy. Yeah, that's some kind of weird meta time loop shit. Uh, you get into that stuff and the world will explode. Yeah, this podcast is brought to you, as always, by On The Edge Comedy. This Friday, which is the 20th of December, we're bringing you the wonderful Sarah Barron, fresh from doing Live at the Apollo. She's coming down and headlining On The Edge Comedy. It's also my birthday gig. I've got Lenny Sherman. I've got um, Mark Cram. I've got Joe Foster. We are going to have an absolutely lovely time, folks. Uh, there are still tickets available, unbelievably. Uh, £6 each. Uh, find them on We Got Tickets. Uh, I'm also headlining on Thursday night at uh, Purple Comedy in Hove, uh, doing a closing set there. That's normally quite a nice gig, so I'm looking forward to that. And then I think I'm done for the year. Uh, my tickets are on sale now for Wooding Dean Comedy Club. If you're in that end of Brighton and you fancy coming along, I've got Angela Barnes off the telly. I've got Rob Mob Holland, who's going to be the guest on our hip-hop special, uh, one of the best stand-ups in the country. And I've got the wonderful William Stone uh, in the middle. Uh, William Stone designed the logo for this uh for this podcast funnily enough uh he's a designer as well as an outstanding stand-up comic uh tickets for that are selling ridiculously faster and we got tickets under uh Woodingdean comedy club those are 10 pounds for three great acts uh and you get me mc in as well so come along to that if you can that's on the 8th of february in Woodingdean. anyway with no further ado i'm going to crack on with this podcast um hope you enjoy it ladies and gentlemen and we'll speak to you soon take care <laughs> Yes, yes, people. Dave Fensom here, as always, with my good buddy, Krista Greer. Hey, everybody. And a dog, Waffles Dog. All right, Mum. Uh, this is the last week that there's going to be one dog recording the podcast with us. Next week, we're going to have a new co-host getting a new puppy. Are you excited about that, Krista? I'm thrilled. You, you're <laughs> fucking mad. I said to Dave, Dave said to me like like a few days back, oh, by the way, guess what? We're getting another puppy. I'm like, what, well, on top of the three cats and the ex- very excitable dog you already have? Yeah, you went, yeah. you lost your fucking mind. Yeah, your, exactly. With your exact words. Yeah. <laughs> what I want is a house that smells more like shit and piss. <laughs> yeah, well, that's going to happen. 
Yes, indeed. That is exactly yes, indeed. What's going to happen. So, yeah, welcome, guys, to episode 19. If you are joining us for the first time this week, I feel like I should recap our mission statement mm, for yes, this yes, podcast. Yes. Uh, have noticed that our numbers are going up, so we should let you know. If you're listening for the first time, this is the Pop Collaborate and Listen podcast, where we listen to every UK number one album of the 90s in detail and review them, and normally in excruciating detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, our rules are fairly simple. If it's a brand new number one album by an original artist, uh, it gets reviewed. If it's a greatest hits or if it's a compilation, it doesn't count. We might talk about it in a small amount of detail, but we generally won't. The only time yeah. we've made a real exception for that is when we uh, had a three tenors album which came our way and we decided that because it was kind of slightly outside of our wheelhouse, we didn't really have an opinion on it. And yeah. We came to that decision after listening to it. Very much. Obviously, the whole point of this is we listen to albums and we talk about them. And if there's nothing to say... It's a shit podcast. Well, yeah. So on that token, what's this week's album, <laughs> yeah. Well, what we should be doing is listening to and talking in great detail about Enya's Shepherd Moons album. A- absolutely. And I'll be honest with you guys, we're not going to do a whole episode on Enya's Shepherd's Moon. If you don't know who Enya is, she's a Celtic songstruce. We've got some facts and figures about her. I, I say we have, Krista has. Indeed. And also, uh, because we usually play a little bit of the song that we're talking about during the podcast, we go, yeah. this is what we're, you know, here's track one, play a bit, talk about it. What I've done for Enya, because we're not going to do this in detail, is I've made a Jive Bunny style mega mix <laughs> of Enya's <laughs> pop classic Shepherd's Moon. Uh, so I've got three and a half minutes of just, I'll put this all in the background while we're chatting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, here we are. So Krista, what was your experience of Enya going into this? I knew Orinoco Flow. Me too. Uh, and I liked that. I really enjoyed yeah. that at the time. And I knew she'd done other albums, but was really oblivious. I think in my mind, I thought she was an ex-member of Clanad. Is that true? She, yeah, she was. Yeah, her her family were the, the basis of Clanad, and she was in it for like one album. Right, okay, fair enough. But then left to do sort of yeah. stuff. I quite liked Orinoco Flow. Yeah, it was a good tune. Yeah. It was a good um, tune. Um, I mean, just uh, on terms of the facts and figures, this album sold a quarter of a million copies in the US in its first week of release. Yep. This was fucking big deal, apparently. People really loved Enya, especially in the States, I guess, you know, all the Irish over there bought this for yeah, it was, it was validation. The, them and House of Pain, really. It was it? exactly yeah. that. Um, it had done five million copies by 1996 and has sold, they reckon, about 13 million copies around the world to date of this Shepherd Moon album. Fair enough. Big, big deal. To people who mainly have albums of panpipes in their oh, collections, of course I would imagine. exactly so. what it is. Exactly yeah. what it is. Um, she is Ireland's second biggest selling act after U2. Okay. And that... she, she is their biggest selling solo act. Don't say there, like it's not yours. It's the others, man. Oh, fucking what, the, the southerners? Exactly. You, you, are you, like, d- distancing yourself? I'm distancing myself from you two in Enya, certainly. What, on the yeah. other side of a customs union. Yeah, well, well, what am I claiming? I'm claiming ash and therapy at this point. Ooh. Yeah, maybe the undertones, but that's kind of it. I, I There's very little to be proud of in I, Northern Irish music. I, I once saw Ash play one of the most depressing gigs the world has ever seen. Mm, that sounds like Ash. Uh, I mean, I felt bad for him, actually. I genuinely did, because they, they were booked to sub for Nine Inch Nails at this oh, day festival. Oh, shit, yeah. Was, that, was Skunk and Ansi playing that as well? I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah. This isn't about any, but they, they, Nine Inch Nails pulled it on the day, and literally they came on to play their what would have been sub-headline set to just everyone leaving. Oh, well, you, well, uh, it's they, not that good. And they, I think they finished playing up to about 30 people. Oh, God, in that's the horrible. Arena. Horrible. Um, the thing as well about her her fame and her success, she has never done a live tour. 
Um, she's only done kind of one-off shows, like res- little residency sort of things, or TV spots to promote her music. That's what she's I was never going to say, then. I know. Yeah, no, it's disappointing. But, she, t- but even though she's never done that, she has sold about 75 million records in total over her career. Uh, which makes her one of the best-selling artists in the world. Wow. Yeah, she's just in between, if you look on Wikipedia's list, she's right in between Kenny G and Nirvana. That's insanity. I know. So you said you were doing a mega mix of this. This is just one song, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it certainly sounds like it should be. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? Let's, let, you know, for, for, for my bit of criticism yeah. for this record, not uh, look, first of all, I'm not slagging this record off. Mm-hmm. This is... Even, I, even I, this, this little... Uh, Irish pipe bit. I mean, it's what it is, it, isn't it? it, it and it's exactly what you expect. Music to hunt leprechauns by. Right. But uh, look, I put this album on when I was having a bath. Mm. It was a nice time. Right, sure. It helped my mind go and relax and think about other things. Yeah. But I, it, but I would literally get like five minutes in and I was like, oh, I forgot this was playing. Oh, it's it, madly background, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's like my brain, it, it like, kind of almost like, like switches it out. It like kind of yeah. tunes it out, you know? It's just some wallpaper. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's great. If this is your thing, that's great. But I just have nothing to say about it. No, I couldn't I couldn't critique this at all. There were a couple of the songs when I was listening through it, and I didn't pay much attention as well, but there were a couple of songs that there was you know a snippet here, and I went, oh, that's kind of nice. That's a nice little thing yeah. you've done there. And then it just washed over me again. Yeah. The single, I kind of vaguely remembered the single. I do after remember a second the single, yeah, I And admit. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. This is okay. It ain't no Oranoco flow. No. No, Caribbean Blue was the single, so for people, if they don't remember, it was released in October 91. There were four singles released off this album, and there are not four singles on this album. No, no that's oh, absolutely crazy not. talk, that is. The thing I've always been upset, though, is that the, the people that make the Wombles have never done Oronoko Flow, which is Oronoko the Womble doing his hip-hop bit. Uh, I think that, be nice. that's a missed opportunity. Sure. Oronoko's Flow. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> Um, uh, also, I said to a mate of mine, I said, oh, yeah, I'm having to do this fucking Enya album. And he was like, all right, yeah, well, I suppose, you know, it can't all be gold. But he just said, the only thing I know about Enya, and I suspect this is quite a lot of people, the only thing they know about Enya, is that, A, she's never done a tour. Yeah. Uh, she bought herself a castle that she lives in by herself. Uh, well, not by herself, because she's got about 100 cats. Well, that doesn't surprise no, me that, at all. No, that is what she does. She's not married, no kids, lives in a castle with Fucking dozens and dozens of her cats, and that's her life. Swims topless in the moat. I'd imagine so. Yeah, lifts a sword. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I would, I would imagine, right, that Enya's life is like um, the dancing that Florence and the Machine did on that Glastonbury set. <laughs> well, that's just, you know, as she's cooking, yeah, she's doing exactly. that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I would imagine this, like she has, she's employed people to soundtrack her walking around. No, right, sure. You know, like when Peter Griffin has the soundtrack in yeah, the same his, Family Guy. His theme tune follows him around. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it's like this, but a bit more Moonwolf. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, look, so you got anything else? Um, I've got that she's worth over £100 million. Worth is a subjective term. That is true. I mean, some of that might be the castle. Who knows? Some of it might be the cats. Yes. Um, but uh, apparently in the 2018 Rich List, she was ahead of both Chris Martin and Ed Sheeran. She's still making, you know... A ton of money nuts, every fucking year. That's so crazy. That's that crazy. Of... Uh, and uh, apparently a species of fish was named after her in 2017 because it was found in the Orinoco River. Amazing. Yeah, and so the Oregon State University found discovered this new fish. Uh, they called it Leporinus enyi, which means beautiful little fish. Do you not think that she should um, like do a massive concert in Africa? Uh, why would she do that? Enya in Kenya. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, indeed. No, I do. Yeah, there we go. Let's, <laughs> let's tweet her. Yeah, the Enya and Kenya show. I think that's exactly what we need. <laughs> Wicked. Uh, but no, that's all I have. Fair enough, so, mate. Yeah, that's all I have on this entire album and Enya's entire career. And that is significantly more than I had. So what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to what the next record that we would be doing is. Indeed. Actually, so yeah, the timeline we're looking at, because we last week uh, was Erasure, obviously, mm-hmm. and... It was number one only for one week, sort of end of October. After Erasure, Queen's Greatest Hits 2 yep. went to number one for that a week. That was a monster of a record. It was a monster, and it keeps coming back. Yeah. So uh, Queen was number one, and then Enya was number one from the uh, 10th of November to the 16th. Yeah. One week only. Then uh, Genesis came to number one for one week with nice. their We Can't Dance album. And that's the record we're going to so do So that's today. what we're we'll looking at today. Absolutely. So we're going to call this the Genesis record. Genia. Genesis. Fucking brilliant. Have you got any affiliation with Genesis? You got anything in your musical I mean, history? I really, really, really liked. Um, I say, Land of Sunshine. What's it called? Um, Land of Confusion. Land of Confusion. Thank That's you. That's a great tune. Yeah, yeah love Land of Confusion. That's a terrific tune. Uh, loved the spitting image video. That was quality. Yeah. Was that off the Invisible Touch album? Um, maybe, yeah. And I really eighty-seven. I really like Invisible Touch Invisible as well. Touch is a fucking banger. Yeah. One of the best key changes in pop history. Oh, without a doubt, one of the best Phil Collins songs. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but that's one of the things as well. Whenever I'm trying to think of, oh, what Genesis songs do I like? I find it so hard to differentiate yeah. between Genesis and Phil Collins. It's, it's almost like they've got the same singer. It is, well, quite. And I don't care either way most of the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was exposed to some early Genesis. I uh-huh. used to be in a band with people with a disgraceful a prog bent. Pog, prog bent. Yeah. Shout out to Matt Collis and Craig Price. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I've I've listened to I was okay. in a Brand X and Gen- early Genesis and okay. all of that, all of that kind of. So oof. would that have been some of their sort of seventies pomp? Yeah, the, the like really the, the super, when they were full on super jazzy sure. kind of. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, I don't don't care for it. Now, uh, people say, oh, well, the, you know that stuff. You know, the Lamb lies down on Broadway and those big proper proggy albums, the classics. I'm not a fan of prog in general. I think prog is usually when people have a tune and then take some of the tune away. That's my kind of take on prog. Yeah. I, some stuff I'm sure is fantastic. And, you know, I like stuff like Tool, if you want to call them prog. Yeah. I mean, um, they, I mean you know, I, there's loads of bits of prog that I like. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't all have to be the super overblown kind of loads and loads of keyboards. It doesn't have to be yeah. Rick Wakeman. Do right, you know well, I mean? indeed. That's probably, in my head, that's kind of the default problem. Well, the thing is, we grew up in the 90s, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, you know, at that time when, like, kind of all music journalists were totally deriding that prog had anything to offer whatsoever. Right. Like, you know, as if fucking Radiohead isn't prog. Well, oh, absolutely. You know, you listen to Paranoid Android. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, so I, I agree there. I think I just have uh, my immediate disposition is, oh, not my thing. Yeah. And so whenever someone tries to play me something that is a bit more of the wacky side of prog, I'm like, well, this is obviously nonsense. Yeah. Uh, whereas if they didn't tell me what they were playing, I'll just put it on. It might be a different thing. But someone sure. goes, check out this King Crimson tune. I'm like, nah. I love I love King Crimson. Uh, again, they've probably got some stuff I would love, but... Oh, no, you, there's... The bits, un- the bits I've heard. Undoubtedly loads of stuff you'd love, King Maybe Crimson. So. But, you know, I mean, a lot of the bands that, you know, I, I really liked them... I don't know, I guess 95 onwards have been very proggly. Well, you know, a lot of that metal know, stuff. Yeah, in the metal side. In the, yeah. in the metal side of stuff, I think, you know, like Opeth and Mastodon and you know, a lot of the kind of stuff with odd times. I mean, I'm a massive fan of uh, Stephen Wilson. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you listen to that, was that Porcupine Tree? Yeah, he, he was in Porcupine Tree, but his solo stuff is. Oh, if right. you listen to the Ra- Raven refused to sing, it's such a oh, yeah. beautiful, brilliant, brilliant record. So I, I, I love all of that stuff. Okay. I have a problem with some of the big, ridiculous instrumentation, some of the synth mm. sounds, yeah. uh, and we'll talk about that. It's very well. much yeah. we'll talk about that here. So yeah, oh, but with I, this album then, do you remember it coming out? I do remember this coming out, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> I don't want to talk too specifically about the reasons why, because we'll get to it. Okay, but this was very much an album that I didn't think was for me at all at the time. Sure. This seemed like... It's, it's something you buy your dad for Christmas. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't have bought my dad it, because no. he wouldn't have given a shit. But uh, it seemed a bit embarrassing to okay. me at the time. Okay. And, you know, and I, I come from a point of view of, you know, a year before I'd have had that Phil Collins record, you know, on a tape. Yeah. Uh, this is coming out. I'm, you know, kind of really defining what I'm into a little bit now. Oh, I and see. You're, th- you're clearing out some of the stuff that is. Yeah, cool. th- this this didn't seem like a good thing for me at the time. Fair enough. So this is kind of classic pop collaborate and listen territory. This is going mm. back and going. Ah, did my young musical snobbery make me ignore a died in classic? Exactly. That that is what the point of this thing is. So yeah, we shall see. How about yourself, man? Uh, no, I. I don't remember the album whatsoever. I yeah. remember this, the couple of the singles, mm-hmm. and I suspect I probably had it tagged as, oh, well, this is another Phil Collins album yeah. rather than Genesis, because I didn't know the difference really at that point. I, I wasn't interested enough to go, that's Phil Collins, this is Genesis. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember the album whatsoever, and I don't know anyone else who had it, so I wasn't exposed to it at all. Well, let's start with the album cover. Yeah. Uh, right, we, we don't have a copy here because... No. I've not managed to find one in a charity shop. I mean, I'm immediately underwhelmed, aren't you? Yeah, and we've said this a few times for them, but it looks like artwork you'd find in either a fast food chain or a hotel. Yeah, it's corporate art. It's yeah, sort of watercolory, pastely. I would pastel, say, yeah, pastels. It's, it's, better, it's, yeah. it's pastels. It's a it's a, a a tall figure and a, a slightly smaller figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, father, son. You'd or assume so. I'd assume an inappropriate situation. Oh, could, could be a priest. Who knows what's yeah. happening? It's I, 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 I don't, yeah. I don't like it at all. No, it, and I don't think it's particularly iconic or anything either. I don't think you go, all right, well, fair enough. It does not interesting, but that is the We Can't Dance album. Yeah. If you took the, if you took the name off that, I would not have a clue what that was. Yeah, and I mean, I remember because there was a lot of TV advertising for this, and I remember oh, yeah? being TV adverts for this, and that was all because it was the very kind of iconic thing that they did in the I Can't Dance video which oh, the three right. of them yeah. kind of walking in step with each other yes. and that was on all the TV advertising and I kind of uh, when really? I saw this album cover I looked at it I was like I really thought that those three guys was that's was what the, the album cover oh, was I see right right which would be a more indelible image if nothing else not, oh, maybe much not more for, memorable maybe yeah. not for the right reasons but this is a shit album cover yeah okay there's nothing else to say about that to be honest um, it is the band's 14th album Fucking hell, is it really? 14th? 14th, yeah. Um, and it was their fifth consecutive number one album in the UK. Mm-hmm. It reached number four in the US, where it sold over four million copies. So it's still doing, you know, big business. They're still yep. a big band. The previous album had been the Invisible Touch one, and they that was 87, and they toured that for a couple of years, and then took three or so, or so years off mm-hmm. recording. They were supposed to start recording this one in 1990, but Phil Collins was 
tied up with but seriously Busy, yeah. yeah exactly that just took off like you would never expect and so he couldn't do anything till 91 uh, this is also the last album that Genesis recorded before Phil Collins left to pursue his solo career full time right. in 1996 because they did a load of years touring this album after it was released mm-hmm. apparently the album title is derived partly from the popularity of dance music at the time right. and I'm guessing how out of step Genesis felt to mm-hmm. to the popular stuff that was going on in the charts. Uh, but it went double platinum by the 1st of December, considering this was released a number one on the 17th of November. Yeah. Two weeks, and it went double platinum in the UK. It eventually went five times platinum uh, in the UK. So it's this is a big fucking deal. It is a big record. Yeah. A big fucking record. Yeah. And this is the kind of what a lot of people would probably consider the most recognisable lineup for Genesis. You know, obviously, people think classic Genesis is Peter Gabriel, perhaps. Yeah. But... He left in, what, 77 or something like that? So all through the 80s and this one in the 90s was the Phil Collins, Tony Banks, Mike Rutherford lineup. Yeah. Which you can call it the classic lineup if you want because I suspect that's when most of the albums were released. Yeah, I, I think depending on what type of Genesis nerd you are, you'll probably have very strong opinions. Oh, God, yeah. No, fucking, mate, twi- we might get some very strongly worded tweets about that. I would imagine so, yeah. that This is classic Genesis. Okay, so, so Phil Collins... Uh, vocals, drums Vocals and drums Tony Banks on keyboards And then Mike yes. Rutherford on lead and bass guitars Okay I think we'll come back to those guys Because I think there's some blame to be apportioned there, For some uh, of this record is. Absolutely is um, Okay, so look Let's start off with the, uh, the first track This is called No Son of Mine Indeed, right uh, And this one was the first single Released in October 1991 uh, Got to number six Metronome Yep. Now that's a very strange noise. It is bizarre. Yeah, like you're going. It is like a, a, someone's recorded a dying cow. That's what I've I've written here. It sounds like a distressed cow. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. 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 But no, it, uh, it isn't. It is. Uh, it was made by recording Mike Rutherford's guitar with a sampler right. and then playing it through three notes on the bottom register of the keyboard. So lowering the pitch and playing it sort of over itself. Okay, and here, very, very high in the mix, you've got this kind of very dull, innocuous synth wave coming through. Sure, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, it's just, yeah, yeah sort of over the top, a glaze over the top of everything yeah. else. Yeah. But it is, it's just sort of that standard 80s bland keyboard. But here we've got some trademark ridiculously fucking tuned drums. That's Phil Collins right yeah. there, isn't it? Yeah. I kind of like that. Oh, I'm totally fine with this. Oh, I, I think this is dull as shit. I think uh, all of this no, is no, dull. The, the, I think that drum beat is, yeah. is a nice crisp bam, yeah. bam. Oh, I like the drums, yeah. yeah. The rest of the song up until this point, it's... Very, very bland. Very 80s kind of key sound. It is, it? It's it's so 80s. It's like they released this in 85. Yeah. Yeah. And it does this, right? And I'm not fussed. We get to about 2 minutes 30. Uh-huh. And that's when we get our first chorus. Okay, so we've got this build. Yeah. Yeah. And we should just say the lyrics, you know, it's, a, it's about a child in an abusive family. Yeah. Um, and he's breaking free. He wants to leave because he can't take it anymore. Yeah. So he, he gets out. And then it's talking about 
when he goes back to try and reconnect with the father who he was scared of and he goes back and the father's like you're no son of mine yeah. but there's your chorus yeah that's a good chorus I like this chorus that's a solid solid chorus I just think the rest of the song could do with a bit of a trim oh easily with a trim this is 6 minutes 40 yeah and I think the single version was 6 minutes 40 as well I don't think it was like a radio edit. Well, it's those keys, so... Ah, what's happening? I mean, that's... Yeah, that's... Hollywood keys. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Uh, Mary 80s, that guitar is overdriven to fuck. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But I would agree that um, the song itself, I think the verses are cliched and they just do what they do Mm -hmm. without being... without interesting me at all. Um... But I think that's a really good chorus. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly where I am at yeah, with it. The, I think that the song itself sounds like, the, or probably more the verses, but it sounds like it could be on, but seriously, it sounds like a Phil Collins solo yeah. song to me. That doesn't sound interesting. I was expecting this to be more weird than this. Yeah. You know? Uh, and this isn't. This is just a standard Phil Collins big production bland song. Yeah, uh, I think it's... I, I, there's a lot of the stuff in the production that I don't particularly like. Yeah. I particularly don't like that keyboard as high in the mix as it is. No. Uh, yeah, I just... It's a, and it could it could be two minutes shorter, straight oh, away. Without doubt. I mean, it could be three minutes shorter. Yeah. Especially uh, because the last verse and chorus are just total repeats of the previous ones. It's adding nothing else, and it's not going anywhere with this, because this, it's a big story mm. about him leaving and coming back and getting rejected again. And the last two minutes does not take it anywhere else. No. So it could be gone. It's two, you know, like I say, it's two and a half minutes until you get to that chorus. Yeah. And I'm like, I've given up by that point. Yeah. That, like, weird for a radio single. Yeah. Yeah, you, you yeah, should, but get you more should trade it on your name. You could get away with a lot. Probably true. All right. And so, um, yeah, mixed bag for me. I did enjoy, though. I looked at, because I looked at the video for this, obviously it being the first single mm-hmm. they made a video. It's what you'd expect. It's uh, It shows the home life and some silhouettes of the the father with a belt and this sort of stuff and the, the son cowering in a corner and then he leaves. All of that shit. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But uh, I looked at some of the YouTube comments because there were people going, I related to this because I grew up in a family just like right. this. And there's a lot of people going, I was so glad when someone else was talking about the stuff I had to go through. Lots of this on the comments, yeah? But one of the top comments is, when I was a little kid, uh, one night my father came home totally drunk and he put this song on. Amazing memory. <laughs> Just trolling them to fuck. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't laugh. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, okay. No, um, so track. Uh, on the subject of videos, I did make the mistake earlier because our, our Simply Red vi- uh, episode oh, came out yeah. this week, uh, and I I just couldn't stop myself. And I watched the something got me started video. It's amazing. That's ruined the song for me again. <laughs> What was our favourite on that? It's incredible. And I went, oh yeah, this is why I hated you so much. Right. It's this. Because <laughs> I was seeing the video all the time. I was like, oh yeah. That's, oh, I, see. I don't is, think I'd ever seen oh, that video. fucking I had. I was like, oh yeah, remember right. you, you fucking glinty-eyed <laughs> Ibiza cunt. Anyway. Oh God. All right, track number two. Track two. <laughs> Jesus, he knows me. <laughs> so this was the fourth single, yeah. uh, July 1992, and it got to number 20. I remember this one actually. Me it too. Comes out. Yeah, me too. 
Yeah, I, this is catchy. I think this one's quite a lot of good, quite a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. This is straight in with uh, a much more upbeat tempo, a, a catchy little bass line. Yeah. I've written here. His voice is really smoking on this one. Oh, <laughs> smoking! Yeah, you go, Phil. <laughs> I like it though. He's got a bit of fucking, like a bit of funk in the trunk on this. Okay, sure. Uh-huh. Grunt. Well, yeah, he's you know trying to make a, a point on this one. Yeah, I mean it's yeah it's just a, it's kind of a scathing indictment of tele evangelists. Precisely, yeah. At the time, it was whenever like Swaggart and yeah. Jim and Tommy Baker were getting investigated for fraud. The Scottish like, detective, you heard. Uh, so there, yeah, they were getting. In, in, oh, look, this chorus is good. Oh, it's a great chorus. It's a terrific chorus. Yeah. Oh no, I, I mean, all I'll say about this song, right, is. I'm really, really, really enjoying this song. Uh-huh. Then there's a fun breakdown, and I'm really enjoying it. And then there is an entirely regrettable reggae bridge, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I put here though. It's a bit of a shame, <laughs> but it doesn't derail it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. De- doesn't derail it, but you do go. Oh, what? <laughs> what have you what? done? This? Oh, hello. <laughs> then I read a bit about this, and I think it was Mike Rutherford said. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, because they made all of these songs from jamming stuff together. They would just completely go out with nothing in mind, Mm -hmm. see what happened. And he says that this song came from the reggae bit. They started with that and worked backwards to this bit. And they didn't quite excise all of the reggae. Yeah, I mean, maybe they could have just been like, one one more snip, guys, and you're there. Yeah, no. Yeah, look, that's it. I know, I was going to come in now. There we are. Oh dear. At least he's not doing the voice. Oh my god. <laughs> Give uh, us yeah, some reggae! Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Alright. No, this is catchy as hell, man. Yeah. Uh, I like this one. This is a this is a this, this is a uh, big thumbs up for it's me. It's a winner. It is. Absolute, yeah. More of this, please. Yeah, and I like the bit where it's got the minor key of the verse into the major chorus. It's it's sort of low key and then it blows up in the chorus yep. it's I like it's a nice restrained bit of keyboard from uh, your man Tony from Tony yeah I mean, it's, it is a cheesy sound of the keyboard still but I guess because there's so much else going on with this it's not as noticeable it's not out, out of place maybe I'm not sure well I, I think that's an interesting maybe this isn't the right song to have the conversation about it mm. on but I think yeah Ah, fuck it, we're having it. Um, we last week we would listen to Eurasia, yeah, and we were talking about the detail in things that Vince Clark's doing. Yeah, same kind of thing as when you listen to Martin Gore and Depeche Mode. Sure, obviously these are synth guys, uh, and everything is about the detail of the sound to those guys. Now you get the impression, you know, if you do a bit of research on Tony. He's again, he's a, a, a multi-keyboard player. Mm. He's very specific in the keyboards he plays. He's obviously, very interesting. But Christ, the guy has got. It's like almost like he's just looking for the most, of, like the worst sounds he can find. So he comes up with some shit. Oh, this is so song. fucking bad. Now, I don't like, even know if they would have been good in 1983 because I suspect he's stuck in a time period where he's like, yeah. no, this is what the people want," when it really isn't. Yeah. But I can't imagine some of the, the the particular sounds and tones he wants to put into songs were ever the right thing to do. 
No, it just kind of makes a lot of them just make you feel like bad horror films and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. But we, we, we will definitely we'll point these out as we go through because there's quite a lot of them. Fair enough. The only other thing I liked about this was I read up um, that you know the Simpsons episode Bart sells his soul uh, yeah. where. Uh, Reverend Lovejoy goes, oh, we have a guest hymn today or whatever it is. Uh, this is In the Garden of Eden by Iron Butterfly. Yeah. And they sing it's In the Garden of Eden. Apparently this, they wanted this one. They wanted to have this, but couldn't get the rights. Ah, nice little enough. bit of trivia. Nice. That yeah. is good. Right. Okay. Um, so should we do track three? Yes. This one is called Driving the Last Spike. And this song is 10 minutes long. Yes, it and is. This is kind of more what I suspected this album would be. No, this is yeah. so. This, this one's a very slow-paced one. Yeah, it starts with these kind of big, kind of synth waves coming across. Yep. Again, not interesting in any way. This song is boring as fuck until you get to about three minutes in. Yeah, yeah, it is. And then it does what I would describe as going a bit Magnum theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what. Let me let me skip because like I've got the same thing. The first couple of minutes just sound like one of the issue songs off, but seriously. Yeah. So let, let me skip into the the first third, Krista. Let's let's, let's, yeah. let's call it as it is. Okay, so we're getting a little bit of a crescendo going on. Yeah, it's literally dead on three when it kicks. Right. See, I don't mind this bit because this this is a bit of a swell to it. Yeah, the whole song is a story. It's, yes, it's yes, about yes. it's about kind of guy that was working on the building the railroads in America and the in, in the UK in Britain. I oh, was it in Britain. In Britain, yeah, oh, it's I the nabbies. I thought it was, I thought it was America because of the sun and all this kind of shit. No, that was indeed, but no, it's the British nabbies. Apparently, it was inspired by a book he was given about that uh, topic by actor Dennis Waterman. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. <laughs> oh, fucking brilliant! Yep. And yeah, placing the last spike because this is called driving the last spike. Yeah. And placing the last spike was a momentous occasion because that was it was finished. Yeah. That was the end of the massive mm-hmm. task. So that's what it's all about. But it's also in the story. It's about uh, people you know, breaking their backs and having to leave their families to do this work. Yeah. And an accident happens and tunnels cave in and people die. And this sort yeah, of thing. I mean it's basically a redesign pet for a different audience. Oh well, there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this this bit, I think I don't mind this. It's all right. I think it's okay. It's okay. Uh, there's there's a really nice beat that comes in at five minutes fifty three. Oh, let's find that. I like this bit. Okay, yeah. I think the, the thing with this song is it's ten minutes long. It's kind of a storytelling exercise, yes, right? Yeah. I like what they do. It's just all a bit disjointed. Okay. For me, this is. I, I like the fact that it's telling the story, but it is a case of TLDR, you know? Right, I see. I, yeah, I, I definitely agree there. But, I mean, they have obviously seen this as an epic tale that they need to you know, build up to and take take on a journey. It sounds to me, this sounds like it's uh, in a music, stage musical. Mm. And spotlight on Phil and he's saying these things and in the massive instrumental bits between the verses that's when people are rushing around the stage and the tunnel's falling in and everyone's in anguish it sounds very dramatic to me like this a bit Roar of the Worlds yeah that sort of thing you know but I can absolutely good. see you know rushing from side of the stage to side of the stage with fake rocks falling on you while the the, 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 the 
tune is doing its thing in the background. And then he comes back on to say, and then we don't know how many people died and it was a massive tragedy and bring in your next, next bit of story. That's what it sounds like to me, is just this big stage production. Yeah, but the, the, the lines, what is it? We followed the rail, we slept under the stars, digging in darkness and living with danger, showing no fear of what lies up ahead. They'll never see the likes of us again. <laughs> he just goes off on it. It's so overdramatic at some time. I mean, it really is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. You mentioned The Simpsons earlier. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Yeah. Monorail. Yeah. I must admit, from having this on in the background a few times and then listening to it through a few times, from probably probably it is a third of the way in. Yeah, I was into this. Oh, yeah, okay, I was the, fair enough. The, I think it started very slowly, and I didn't care. But I can almost see why they did it because it's a big, long introduction to. I uh, see. More maybe of a maybe thing. I'm a couple of listens shy of that. Maybe. Again, it's hooks into me. There are bits in it that I like. You know, I like that beat. Yeah. I like that kind of little crescendo bit. I like it when that kind of drops in. Sure. There's a lot of wasted space in it though. Oh, for, and, you know, that's not a fair criticism of a prog song, perhaps. True. But you know. It didn't kind of feel like a hole to me. Okay. Right, okay, so uh, track number four is the, well, not the title track, but the kind of title track. Well, yeah, the one that got most attention anyway. Because this is called I Can't Dance, as opposed to We Can't Dance. Indeed. And this one was the second single, uh, released in January of 1992, got to number seven. And I remember this. Oh, God, of course, I this, this yeah. was everywhere. I remember the video for this being around. Yeah. This was on the radio a lot. Yeah, I mean, I find this fucking incessantly irritating. Oh, I don't mind this at all. Oh, I can't stand it. Really? Oh, oh. I see. This is this was. This, I remember this at the time. It just fucked me off at the time, and I heard it oh. back in again. And I went, oh, that was I like being. Oh no, I still hate this. Oh no, at the time, I definitely remember going, this is cack. But no, I, you know, just hearing it over the years, I'm fine with this now. See, my worry with this song is that if I listen to it enough. I could like it. Oh, really? Because it is hooky. Yeah, exactly. It is. But I... Mm, no, I, I don't like this at all. I mean, okay. the, the you know, kind of sentiment where they're kind of taking the piss out of male models, that yeah. kind of idea. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have an issue with that. I think that's you know, that's fair game and that's kind of funny yeah, was, enough. But... This was all whenever Levi's were releasing all of those ads with kind of classic soul songs or yeah. stuff like The Clash, it's a T-Rex, with a male model in jeans doing very little except looking very pretty. And Genesis wrote this song as a like, okay, well, you're using these classic songs and someone with no talent yeah. to sell your product. You're making it uh, to commercialise, whatever it is. And Nick Kamen's single was an absolute banger. And they, I've, I've got a note saying, obviously not Nick Kamen. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't possibly be talking about him. No, nah, never. No. Uh, so, yeah, it's best take of that. And the video was as well. It was sort of pastiches of various Levi's ads yeah. where... Either he's standing on the side of the road in some jeans hitchhiking or he's in a pool hall and he has to bet his jeans to someone. All this sort of yeah. stuff. It's, it's good. Oh, no, the pool hall, that was the uh, that was the Clash one, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, it's all very tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I mean, it may well be, but it's... Uh, no. I, I don't know. I do like it. It's To me, this is a dad joke, fucking that someone's <laughs> given a budget. Well, no, you're absolutely right. It is a dad joke. Um, and... If you look at the video, it's obviously they are having a lot of fun with it. It's very silly. Uh, this is obviously like where you saw you say about them walking in step yeah. with each other. It's that very iconic image of like them the doing that. goodies or the monkeys yeah, something or something like, like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, do, I just can't get past the fact that I find that ah, can't. Oh, it's oh, okay. great on me, man. Well, would it help if you heard a cover version by Sonata Arctica? 
Oh no, not they uh, don't put Sonata Arctica a, a on. Finnish power metal. Band. Oh, I know who they are. Louise is a big fan. Oh well, they did a cover of this. And it's fucking awful. I don't know, is it? That sounds like a little more brass than I think. That sounds like it might be awesome, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is possibly the only Sonata Arctica track I've ever heard in my life. Oh no, I've heard quite a lot of them. Right. This might be the best Sonata. <laughs> going to be I in the playlist I'm, I mean I kind of prefer that I think. <laughs> absolutely ridiculous yes. right okay so that's the end of uh, yeah but uh, oh, sorry, anything like that? No, the only other thing that in the video was I remembered the stuff about uh, the piss takes of the the ads that they did I had forgotten that right at the end the song fades out and you're left with just Phil Collins centre screen and someone throws a black hat in he puts it on and strikes the Michael Jackson pose right right and then does a load of Michael Jackson piss take, where he's doing a load of arm and leg movements, um, grabs his crotch to zip himself up. This sort of really just particularly silly clowning around. Yeah. Uh, and then does uh, some tap dancing. And right. it gets dragged off by the other two of the band. And i totally forgotten that. I don't understand why they put that in. Probably because he'd done it and they went, oh, you should put that in the video. Yeah, no, it was very strange. Right, fuck mm. this. Let's take a break. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Let's listen to some albums. Okay, so the week that we're looking at is November the 17th to the 23rd. And like I say, it was one week only. But we do, we're going to look at a sort of a three-week period in terms of other stuff that came out because we're kind of incorporating the Enya release yeah, and stuff into it as well. So, but for the, the 17th, Number 10 is Neil Sedaka, Timeless, a best of. Right. Couldn't care less. Number 9, The Commitments. Number 8, Tina Turner, Simply the Best. Number 7 is Paul Young. And that's been in there a fucking while, that singles collection. Paul Young was a big artist, I don't remember this best of being top 10 for months and months. That's because you weren't paying any attention. Not to Paul Young, I wasn't. Number 6, Simply Red Stars. Hang Hang on a minute. Oh, I. Paul Young is Luton. Luton's biggest export apart from hats. Yeah. And, you know, racism. Resemble that comment. Fucking hell, I'm not saying that. <laughs> cut that out. I resent that comment. Yeah, sure. Uh, Jesus Christ, why did I just say that? <laughs> um, number five, Pet Shop Boys, Discography. was their best of. That was new in there. Mm-hmm. Number four, Lisa Stansfield, Real Love. Mm-hmm. Number three, <laughs> number three, Queen, Greatest Hits 2. And number two is Enya, Shepherd Moon. So it had yeah. been number one, down to number two. Uh, so yeah, very little to talk about in that. Nothing interesting, really. Uh, in terms of what else was out, Teenage Fan Club released Bandwagon-esque. Mm-hmm. And we did. We saw the concept came out last week. And so the, the album full came out. And that was a big deal in kind of the indie world. Uh, was, I think that people, a lot of people had been looking forward to this for a while. I remember a mate of mine, Robert, had it. He was hugely into it and put it on tape for me. I liked it, but I wasn't blown away in the way that some people were. As I said to you last week, mate, it would be an enormous surprise to you that I wasn't a fan of Teenage Fan Club at no. the time. Should I go back and listen to them? Oh, you would absolutely like some of their stuff. Yeah. You absolutely would. I'm sure I would. I mean, especially this era stuff. I thought that the 90s bits weren't, or the mid-90s bits rather, weren't as interesting. But which is the one with like the kind of the orange cover? It, well, if it's the one with, it's more like a pink cover with a 
a bag with a dollar sign on it. Oh, I can't remember. That's that's this one. Um, the, the mid-90s stuff was like Grand Prix and those right. more, more I thought, more generic indie stuff. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, no, there's some stuff in there. Um, also, so that got to number 22 in this separate. Number 24, My Bloody Valentine, Loveless. Nice. And that was a big deal as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, that's one of those ones that people talk about as a game changer. Yeah. Uh, but ear bleeding game yeah, changer indeed a lot of people that have never heard things the same way from my bloody family yeah exactly <laughs> indeed and the, you know they always tout it as the the band that nearly bankrupted creation as well because of this album yeah it went on and on and on and so that was out uh, in the same time period Tupac had Tupacalypse Now yes indeed I, and you see I don't remember but uh, again I'm not a Tupac fan in general but I didn't know that he was this early right. well I mean the thing is this album got life because he was successful later later down the line okay you know, yeah, two, it, it was ignored at the time, pretty much. Yeah, two, you know, Tupac came out through what was the crew? Digital Underground. Digital Underground. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Uh, so you know, that's where he was. He, you know, kind of he was coming from, but it wasn't. It was about two more years until. Yeah, but it was ninety three, ninety four. He was yeah. blowing up. But yeah, I just don't remember. I don't remember obviously at the time because I wasn't listening for it. But I was surprised to see a nineteen ninety one Tupac album. Mm, fair mm. enough. Um, and also in hip hop. World, Tone Loke's Cool Hand Loke was released. Oh, do you know, I had this album. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I loved this album. At okay. The time. So, I'm really, I mean, I, I haven't heard it for years. Because um, this obviously isn't his big one. No, so that was Loked After Dark. Yeah, that, that was where he really went. Well, he, he uh, huge. Uh, we mentioned this last week. At the time, he was the biggest hip hop, selling hip hop artist in the world. For a while, yeah. Because he had, yeah, until MC Hammer came out and deposed him. Right, sure. Because obviously, uh, Funky Carl Medina and Wild, Wild Thing, Thing were just insanely big tracks. Sure. Uh, this one, it didn't have big singles on it, mm. um, but I remember loving it when it came out. Really, really liked it. It was kind of more of that kind of East LA, kind of slightly okay. uh, kind of Latino gang sound. It's kind oh, of, yeah. The, yeah, the kind of, the st- you know, like Kid Frost was coming out with La, La, Raza, La Raza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of that kind of stuff was coming out. And, okay. you know, kind of Cholo kind of stuff that was going to come out. But he's got a brilliant. Brilliant voice. Now, Tone Luke has such a brilliant distinctive voice, yeah. voice for a start, but it is fantastic for what he does. Maybe it's terrible. I haven't heard it for years. Right. I must admit, I don't know it whatsoever. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Okay. Well, that's all I've got for for that period. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So, not. I mean, we're in that Christmas time now. Though, we are. We? I mean, I suppose your biggest one there really is my Bolly Valentine. You know, the most yeah. most important one musically, anyway. Exactly. And you can follow that through. For Christ's sake, you can follow mm. that through for a lot of different records that are still coming out. These oh, days. definitely, definitely. And I suspect you know, whenever we get into nineteen ninety two and we're looking at the releases then there's probably going to be a lot of bands releasing stuff who were influenced and you know staggered by Loveless and without a doubt alright cool so Uh, back into Genesis yes track number five Never a Time Man if there was ever a song that sounded like it was specifically written to be on a montage in an 80s rom-com. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. I mean, I've even got the montage. I've got, like, a, a couple breaking up. Like, there's, there's this song's playing, and you're seeing sign that they're in... You're going through the window, and you're seeing them going about their business on uh-huh. their own in their apartment. Okay, yeah. Someone's shopping, they got to pick up something that the other person would have liked, and they look at it, and they're like, ah. Oh. You know, right. this, is the, this is the breakup. Before they get back together. Yeah, sure. Yeah, th- yeah, this is act- end of Act One. Yeah. Right. 
Oh, you're absolutely right. This is very, very, very bland. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I've, I mean, literally, my notes on this are: it's okay. I've got. I said it's a standard dull song about a relationship on the rocks. Yeah. Um, at least it's only three minutes fifty. I mean, I tell you what, it isn't. Yeah. It's not fucking against all odds. No, which. That obviously that is definitely a montage relationship oh song, but that's a fucking great tune. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now that's a goodie. Now that this would wishes it was against all yeah. odds. And against all odds is just thinking about against all odds just makes me want to stop recording and go it's and like, listen. Yeah, yeah. Should take five minutes out and just listen to it. <laughs> yeah, this is this is nothing compared to any of that. This is just start to finish washes over you. And we, I think this is a very strange one to be on a Genesis album. You know, it's, yeah. it, okay, fair enough. Uh, I wasn't expecting Genesis to be doing stuff like uh, I Can't Dance or Jesus, yeah. He Knows Me because they are more pop chart songs. I was expecting Genesis to do the more the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was not expecting them to do this really middle-of-the-road terrible love song. No, this is a bad song. Yeah, it's, and it's no. And it's five years too late as well. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah it's exactly. dated. True. Had this been, had this been on Invisible Touch... In 87, mm-hmm. fine, but... And, you know, let's just, again, let's recap that over the last, like, over the last month, pretty much, Nirvana's Nevermind has come out, Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. Blood Sugar, Sex Sound Magic, Garden. Soundgarden's Bad, Motorfinger, all of these things that are going to shape what everyone's listening to, yeah. this stands in poor relief against those. Very much. Yeah, totally. All right, uh, shall we just skip straight on to number six? Oh, yeah, six? I've got nothing else to say on that, man. Lovely stuff. Number six is Dreaming While You Sleep. There's another seven minute song for a start, so I was already a bit nervous. About yeah. But as this comes in, mm-hmm. we've got a bit of Harold Faltermeyer, Tangerine Dream. I, I thought Faltermeyer. Yeah. This is. But also, you know, yeah. you know, like in all the right moves or in, you know, not all the right moves. What's the what's the uh, risky business? Oh, okay. The sure. kind of the Tangerine Dream stuff out of that. It's got. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could see this song in a John Hughes movie. Oh, really? Yeah. But in a... Right. Because obviously, this is not a fun song. But you, you think in, in, a, in a... In a scene at night where they had to you know, sneak around or something like this. Yeah. Right. See, look, or driving I, through the streets. I really like this, the vocal. Do I, you? Really, I really like Phil's vocal in this. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think this is ridiculous, this song. Oh, this is one of my favourite songs in the album. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. With reservations. Okay, sure. Okay, right. I like all of this bit a lot, right? Right. I like it. Like, but it's, Even that do do do. Yeah, I, I like that, yeah. Okay. It's much too long and it doesn't yeah. go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the problem with it. There's some ridiculous bits of drums towards the end of this song, and I fucking love them. Oh, no, you know, it, it does, it kicks it. I must admit, a lot of this, the, the bit that I think is, is bad, is that it goes on like this for too long, and it doesn't really kick in until about you know, nearly three minutes along yeah. the way. And this is it, it, it is too long, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff in it that I really like. Yeah. Although he does literally steal the delivery. There's the thing where he's like, says like, there's, um, it will live inside of me, right? And the way he phrases it is exactly the same as that bit from Live to Tell. That's, um, yes, I did. I thought I'd heard that before. Yeah. A bit like, the, I mean, almost we should find inside that line because inside of me. Yeah. Um, let me, let me get to, uh, 
I mean, we should we should mention this is a song about. Oh yeah. He, he's hit a woman in a car. Yeah. That, the concept is very strange. Yeah. And then, and then he's he's driven on, just just fucked off, but then he finds her in hospital in a coma and he goes to visit her. Yeah. And because he's so guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Again, what a why do you think of that? And B, why do you go? Let's do a song like this. This, this is going to be a great idea. That's not a great idea, if you ask me. I mean, he's probably not the first one he's put in a coma. <laughs> probably the first one he's married to. Yeah, true. Uh, right, I think, yeah, I think it's just about to kind of kick in a wee bit up. Here you go. Yeah, all right, so when it does this, I'm a bit more interested. But I think the previous bit is not good. So I really and like I, the previous and bit. And I think the keyboard bit, keyboard signed on the previous bit is fucking dreadful. Uh, see, I, don't, I, right see I, I, I like that. I, yeah. I, I, I think it's got a good vibe to it. Yeah, Ridiculous. There you go. Okay. I mean, he mu- that must be subliminal. He must have heard that in his head and gone, "Oh, yeah, true enough." Um, overall, okay. Overall, I don't mind this, uh, but I think it's a very, very silly idea for a song. I don't get the whole premise behind it, and I don't like the keyboards. I think. I think. I don't have a problem with the silly premise. I think okay. I'm all about a silly premise okay. in a prop song. I'm all, right. I'm all right with that, right? Like, hey, mate, you look primus. Yeah, exactly. All of their songs are ridiculous. Yeah. I, don't, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think, it's, you know, you find a subject, you write about it. It's sure. what you do with the song. And I I like basically most of the components of this song. Yeah. The only problem with it is it really could have done with some editing. It doesn't, right, sure. it, it doesn't sustain seven minutes. Yeah, okay. It, and it should go some more places. They, they make the same thing go on for too long. R- bam, over and over and over. Yeah. Okay. That's, okay, that's a fair comment because they do. You're absolutely right. Um, all right. I, I don't know. I think it also just takes itself so seriously. I see. I, again, faced. Again, I kind of don't have a problem with it in really? that regard. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I like it. I, I, it enough, it's man. just got a nice little dark edge to it. Okay. I do, I do like it. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well, that's. I don't uh, love it. Don't get me wrong. But, but, uh, but I think it's one of the them. better tracks on the album. All right. Sure. Well, well, well. Look at that. Uh, anything else on that one? No, that's, that's it. Apart from the big drum things at the end that's all i've got right i liked but right so track number seven then uh tell me why what's going on well you know basically what's going on here is phil is putting the world to rights again well somebody has to i mean having inexplicably failed to solve homelessness last year (laughs) he's fucking cunting on about it again yeah he really is yeah there is just not much tune to this song at there's all. There's no song. Oh, it's no. Absolutely, you're right. There's no tune. And, and in so terms of awful in terms of poor, poor synth choices, this is one of the chief offenders. Shocking, shocking. That the, yeah, the keyboard stabs in this horrible. Listen, listen, listen. And the, the, that Rickenbacker guitar line is just uh, wishy-washy bullshit. I mean, uh, uh, the point at two minutes thirty-four when they basically start doing Power of Love by Huey Lewis in the news and the oh, stabs. Let's get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I. I. Again. Right. It's worthy as fuck. Uh, this is about the the Gulf War and the plight of the Kurdish people and how people are you know left without homes. They're having to fend for food at wherever they can find it. All that shit. Very worthy stuff. Yeah. I think this tune is dreadful. Yeah. And makes me not care even more about the plight of the Kurdish people, which is. 
Well, Fuck I, you, Phil Collins. No, I, I'm not saying that I don't care about the plight of the Kurdish people. That, I'm going to be I, only clear on that. <laughs> Big up Kai Kurd, fucking great comedian. Check out his special. Go and see him on tour. Uh-huh. I do care about the plight of the fucking Kurdish people. Uh-huh. Um, but do you care I, about it? Did you care about them more before you heard this song? I care about it less from listening to this song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I mean this song's terrible. I, and I, it's shocking. I, I mean, I read the lyrics and I didn't even pick up that that's what it was about. Right. Uh, so yeah, nice no, bullshit. Uh, this was a single as well. This is the last single they released but it, it you know it was February 1993 so right. it was right at the end of the album cycle and it only got to number 40 because no one gave a fuck dog shit dog shit absolutely dog shit right track number 8 Living Together Forever oh Living Forever yeah so this one's about fads Yes. For like fad diets, and this is what yeah, you're supposed healthy to do. Lifestyles. Oh, this is what they're telling us to do this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, again, this that one. Fucking keyboard. Yeah. This does nothing for me at all, this song. Um, I, I really dislike this bit because of the keyboard mostly. Yes. Uh, the keyboard is in, insane. That's shocking. Well, I'll tell you what I dislike about this most. Yes. Right? Okay, what happens? I, I was really hating this song, right? Yeah. And it gets to three minutes and three seconds, uh-huh. right? And it goes into this kind of slightly dark groove, and it's got this kind of scratchy funk guitar, uh-huh. kind of almost inaccessible guitar. Okay. And I was thinking, oh, this is okay. And then this synth comes in. Yep. And it's so hot. It's one of the worst things I've ever heard. And it won't stop. Yep. Because I've got notes about that too. So let's let's find sort of the middle of this song. Yeah, we're going in off this. Like you say, yeah. a bit of a breakdown. That's all right. Well, so if, you know, the, the NXS thing? Yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. What's this nonsense? This is cack. Uh, don't, don't do this later. A bit, a bit of a, a sombre breakdown, I suppose you'd call it. This isn't even the worst bit. Oh, yet. no, no, the worst is coming. Here we go. Why? What's happening? Why? Wave. Why? Where did? I mean, how do you find the setting on your keyboard? <laughs> this is like the, the one that Casio tried to destroy. This is this is like if you're in a if you work in a music shop. This is kind of something that someone comes in and does. And you're like, oh God! Don't do that. Yeah. Shocking. Absolutely dreadful. I, what I want is a sound that sounds like a theremin, but really, but more annoying. Yeah. Fucking hell. I must admit, this is probably more of the prog nonsense that I was expecting again, but just the, the way that the, the particularly the particular sound they have employed to do their prog nonsense is the worst bit of I, I mean, I think it's... I read... I read... Uh, it was on one of the lyrics pages I was looking oh, at, yeah. and it was a little bit of an interview, a little bit of a snippet with Tony Banks. Oh, God, OK. Right, and I can't remember which song it was on, but he goes... Um, and he said, uh, yeah, with, you know, with this one, you know... Uh, you know, every now and again the guys will just look at me and they'll be like, "Oh, I've gone too far." But I still try to get these things in all the time, right? And it's like everything that's wrong with this album, I think, is Tony Banks's. Fault. I agree. I absolutely. Agree. I think. I think if you take Tony Banks out of this equation, you've probably got a better record. You fucking do. Yeah. And the thing is, it wouldn't lose anything because he's only playing keyboards. Yeah. You got Phil on drums and yeah. you got Mike on bass and lead. Yeah. You don't need any of these keyboards. No. Take it away. Exactly. Fucking wank banks. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rubbish, exactly. mate. Well, the boys were looking over at me. Were they looking at you seething and yeah. going, you 
twat. It's You've like, done we, it again. We're going to have to give this cunt some money. Fuck. Oh, this was going so good. Yeah. Oh, this is shocking. Did you see how many copies my solo album sold? <laughs> Mike, why don't you just come out with me in a solo band? Yeah, fuck. This oh. is terrible. Um, yeah. Can we just stop talking about it for a bit? Yes, please. Um, we are, well, we're two thirds of the way through the album. So, yeah, let's just do the singles. Singles, yeah. Radio. So, the week of the 17th of November, number 10 in the singles charts. I, yeah, fuck it. Let's, let's play a bit of this. <laughs> Dreadful shit. No, this is a cover version of a classic soul song, but I want you to tell me who's doing it and you'll know from the voice whenever it comes in. It's an unmistakable voice. Fucking hell. (laughs) I forgot he did this. Go on, Michael Bolton. Bolton, Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, he has redeemed himself in later years. Oh, he, though, yeah, he? he's able to look at himself and go, yeah, this is very silly, and play around that. But, yeah, fuck I me. remember seeing the video of him singing this. It looked like he was turning into a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what the Metallica song was about. <laughs> of, Wolf and Me- of Wolf and Michael Bolton. <laughs> of Bolton men. Yeah. <laughs> shift. A um, couple of tunes here that aren't on Spotify. Uh, so I'm going to play this one. This is number nine. Remember this? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember who it's by, though. Yeah, this is Bizarring playing with knives. Yes, yeah. yeah. And th- this whole top ten, right, this is the first one we're going to see where there is a lot of this sort of dance music mm-hmm. coming in. Um, so end of 91... Yeah. There's a real shift going on. So that's number nine. Number eight is Seals with the Killer EP. Yeah. So his version of Killer. Number seven, and I don't remember this at all. You were more of a fan, possibly, than I was, but I don't remember this existing. Okay. Tell you that's Keith Washington, right? This is Kylie Minogue. No, I don't know. That's all the song called "If You Were With Me Now." No, I don't remember that at all. Fucking clue at all. Number seven, though. Wow. Yeah, I know. Right, number six. So again, another dancey one. The chart rave. Yeah, if you if you actually remember any of the names of these acts, I'll be impressed. But you, rec- you remember this song? Yeah. Fuck. What was it? But rhythm is a mystery is the name of the song. Right. By K Class. K Class. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing That's is, I remember all big. of these artists, but I just don't fucking remember. Oh, you could, yeah, you exactly. Yeah, you put them all here. It's like a quiz question yeah. where you've got here's 20 chart rave acts and here's 20 song titles. Try and match them up. That would yeah. be a tough, tough business. Uh, right, so that was number six. Number five, and this one isn't on Spotify either, but I fucking love this song. 
I bought the 7 of this when it came out, and I have since bought the 12-inch on Discogs. Nice. I was a big fan of this one. Ring any bells? No, this one doesn't. Oh, I love this. There's a, a really bad kind of rap bit that comes in in a minute. I say really bad. Oh, no, it's fucking brilliant. Talking heads. It. I always thought it was a talking head sample. I don't know whether it is or not, but it's sort of well, a, a, hidden enough. A bit of the bass sounded like Stone Roses as well. I thought. Oh, okay. But yeah, some of it sounds like uh, Once in a Lifetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Hang on. Oh, you getting this? Oh, it's going to come in with a piano bit here. And uh, yeah, the, 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 I'm going to put rap in inverted commas that yeah. comes in now is hilariously brilliant. Classic rave rap stuff. What's this song called? It's called Is There Anybody Out There? Who boy? Bass Heads. Right. right. I never got there. Now, nah, fair enough. I, I love that too. I think that's a great little song. Still, you know, enjoy that today. Uh, so that goes to number five. Number four, another one similar. Well, not similar, but... Top one, nice one, get sorted. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Oh, yeah, this is... Um, the top one, nice one, get sorted. Um, oh, for fuck's sake, I know what this is. This is... Uh, uh-huh. Oh, this is... Um, uh, Everything Starts With An E by Easy Posse. No. No? No. Uh, Definitely the right top period, one, though. Nice one, get sorted. Top one, nice one, get sorted. Oh, I know this song. Um... Oh, but what is th- it? They're one of the ones that are classic rave. Yeah, yeah. it's not alternate. It is alternate. Oh, is it alternate? It's okay, alternate, mate. It, this is activate. Oh, activate, yes, it is activate. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, indeed. This is fucking brilliant, this tune. Ah, superb. So that's number four. Number three is two unlimited. Get ready for this. Yeah. Number. Christ, he's a rave heavy top ten man, isn't it? It's insane. Really is. Yeah. Uh, number two is Vic Reeves and the Wonder Stuff with uh, Dizzy, yeah. which had been number one a couple of weeks ago. We missed it being number one, but there is a new number one. Oh God! Oh fuck! There's a new number one. There is a new. Well, mate, well like I say, Dizzy had had knocked. No, in fact, we are two songs after Brian Adams. We've missed three weeks, yeah, and you two's The Fly knocked Brian Adams off. How is that? Uh, is Acton Baby not number one? No, number two. Oh my god! Yeah, number two. We're not going to talk about Acton Baby. Uh, well, it's going to be in the top ten, so we'll we'll come across it in a couple oh. of weeks' time. Yeah. So we had the fly was number one after Brian Adams, then Vic Reeves with Dizzy, and but then this I've been week, looking forward to talk about Acton Baby for ages. Gutted. I really thought we were going to. Oh. oh, so sorry, Dave. It's the fucking best you two album. Oh, it's easily the best. It's yeah. a great album. Oh, come on. There you go. This is the new number one this week. Doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't. Just as long as you're 10 years old. <laughs> Put a Michael Jackson there. 
to my baby on a Saturday bang. He's talking about banging a baby. Oh, dear. In an album called Bad, in yeah. an album called Dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Literally, if he'd have had an album called Sex Offender, people still wouldn't have believed yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Monster. Beast. <laughs> <laughs> Nonce. <laughs> Oh, no, man, it's just artistic license. <laughs> oh, look, look, mate, oh, keep all this for the Jackson yeah, episode. Okay, actually, we just talked about it. So, The Fly by U2. So, like I say, it was the first single off Acting Baby, and it went straight in at one, not yeah. Brian Adams off. And I bought the 12-inch of this when it came out. This is a fucking Great tune. brilliant tune. Yeah. And this is... That this guitar was, sounds so cool. But this was also so totally different to yeah. previous U2. Yeah. Because I was only really aware of the mid-80s U2 stuff. Yeah. Um, so whenever this came out, I was expecting more of that. Yeah. And this was crazy to hear. Did you ever see them live? No. Saw them on this tour, man. Oh, shit, yeah? Well, yeah. Well, I saw, well, I saw them. They, they, they kind of released a second album. They did the um, Zoo TV tour. Yes. Which was, it was straight after. Which was all of Acton Baby. Yeah. And then they released an album called Zoo Ropa. I remember that, like, yeah. Whilst they, were, they recorded whilst they were on the road. And then they did another set of legs, which is ostensibly the same thing. Oh, I see. Okay. Same set There's an extension of that. I, I saw them on that. And it was one of the best gigs I think I've still ever been wow. to. Yeah, it's, it was fucking Was remarkable. that when they had all the big TVs and stuff? It was yeah. that, the huge screens everywhere, yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I love Acton Baby. Mm. And uh, you know what, man? I come that Bono, Bono may be, right? I yep. give a shit. They've got a back catalogue of some fucking tunes. They absolutely do. I mean, I, I can't say that I've listened to anything album-wise that they've released since 2000. I just have not oh, done no, it. Oh, no, I haven't. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested. No, in don't that, care. Really. And I'm sure, you know, again, I'm sure there's, you know, some gold in there. Maybe. But you know, I mean, you know, they've they've had some decent, oh, solid singles. Of course, yeah. I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't take, uh, I can't take some of them seriously because I get that South Park thing in my head with Bono just going, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. I, I just, I think whenever they release that the sweetest thing single, I hated it so much. Oh yeah, that I, I, that I couldn't bear listening to anything post that, just in case it was as bad. I know that. what you're saying. Yeah, I fucking hated that. But uh, now you've said that, I've got it in my fucking head because uh, well, whatever you say about it, it's catchy as shit, know, catchy yeah. as AIDS. Yeah. Um, other re- singles released: the Justified Engines of Moo Moo released its Grim Up North, which yep. is obviously a KLF mm-hmm. alter ego one. Skid Row released Wasted Time. Don't remember that song at all. Um, Got to number sense. 20 in the charts. It's on um, Slave to the Grind, yeah. I remember is it? That, yeah. yeah. Poison released So Tell Me Why. Got to number 25. Yeah. Oh, I don't even remember that one at all. Um, oh, this this one got to number 10. I think this was actually a re-release of, of about six months after initial yeah. release. Uh, but it got to number 10 at this point, which is the highest it charted. And this was the first time I'd ever heard Moby. Yeah. You know, it was his big breakthrough. Go. Go. Um, the Manic Street Preachers released Love's Sweet Exile. We've talked about them enough before. Mm-hmm. Nine Inch Nails released Sin. Uh, got to number 35. What a tune that is. Yeah, number 35 in that one. Uh, here's some crackers that'll finish you off, right? This only got to number 60. 1990, motherfucking one. Back in this motherfucker. Commercialized ass. Yeah. NWA always into something. And again, like, I mean, Let the beat flow. we've had this discussion many, many times yeah. in pubs, and we'll have it again for the podcast. Yeah, for the hip hop one. Right. 
Okay, well, maybe we'll save it a little bit for that. But look, fucking, always into something. This is G, the G-Funk sound that I profess not to like for Drake. I know. I don't get it. I know. I know. I, I can't defend it because you're right. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Love that track, though. That's such a, a good Terrific track. song. Uh, Apart from the uh, the reggae break that's on it. Oh, it uh, mate, I give them the reggae break on that. What's he called? MC what? Uh, oh, it's, what's his... Um, oh, fucking hell, what is his name? Is it the cap? No, he's not the captain. Uh, the, admiral. the Admiral. <laughs> the Admiral. <laughs> All right, this one got to number 51. And this is fucking brilliant. I mean, this whole album. I fucking love. Excuse me, but can I be yeah. for a while? Yeah. Number 51 was for the single, Tori Amos, Silent All These Years. And this is beautiful. Um, friend of the podcast, Niall Bakewell, mm-hmm. he was the first person to introduce me to this album, to Little Earthquakes. Yeah. Taped it for me one summer I was staying up at his. Fucking amazing. This album's incredible. It's, it's just astonishing. I love Tori Amos. Yeah, I, I tell you, man, what I wouldn't have given mm. to, was it Madison Square Garden where she did that version of Mohammed my friend and Maynard oh, came out yeah. that, like, the fact that that's only available as that live version mm. uh, Rupee, uh, yeah, yeah. YouTube. I just fucking wish there was a studio version yeah. of that it's magnificent Yeah. Uh, the last one I've got on this little three week spree we're on though number 73 this only got to and that surprised me I'll be honest Yes, indeed. I thought this OPP, was OPP, man. Yeah. It was a bigger hit in the States. Well, it must have been. Because, I, again, I bought the 12-inch of this at the time, but I had to get an American import of it. Yeah. Because I think I probably got it a few weeks after release or something, I guess. I mean, and they just didn't have the 12-inch of it. Mate, UK 12. Like, hip-hop wasn't doing anything in the UK, really. Not no. from, like... There was, st- there was stuff that was hip hop esque that was doing business, but hip hop mm. per se, you know, it wasn't selling. Not in, no. not, not bothering the charts anyway. No, no, like you say, stuff like uh, Vanilla Ice and Hammer, of course. It's like where did pop. that, where did Always Into Something get in the charts? Uh, that was number sixty. Exactly. Yeah, and you know that's the first single back from one of the biggest groups in hip hop. Yeah, that it's just not where. If you weren't Public Enemy, you weren't doing anything. Right. Yes. Yeah, true. We've seen. Probably going to be, and I think we saw um, what do you call Can I Kick It? I think Can I Kick It was 20s because it, uh, it was more of a pop crossover hit. I can't well. remember that being top 10. Oh, maybe it was. I think it was, was, I it think was that higher was top end 10. anyway, but because it was a big pop crossover yeah. hit, that sort of shit. And then we've got PM Dawn and um, uh, Dream Warriors and that sort of stuff. Yeah, but again, it's but, that kind of stuff that's kind of diluted enough yeah. to have a pop sensibility. Yeah, like what I would, you know, being the purest dickhead that I'm, you know, real hip hop, you know, you know, Keras One, but a Boogie Down Productions, they're massive at this point. They're not hitting the charts. Not at all. This stuff exists purely in the underground. You remember how hard you had to look for this stuff? Sure. Yeah, it was difficult. Yeah, of course. Man. No, it was. Okay, well there you go. That's, that's your single. So there's some good stuff in there. I mean, like I say, I think it's interesting to see that top 10 because you really see the rave stuff coming oh, through. Oh, wow. You know, yeah, obviously, man, we've it. seen Prodigy and we've seen Oceanic and that stuff in this year, yeah. but for uh, one, two, three, four, five of the top 10 to be rave songs. Yeah, well, this is the point where that's that music is kind of coming out of like, underground and being, this is what's, you know, you're starting to hear this stuff in townie clubs. Oh, you are, you? absolutely. I, mean, yeah. I remember fucking the, the school disco kind of things that I was going to. This is what was being played. Yeah, and you know, you, you, the news is covered with, oh, this song's got a drugs reference in it. Uh, yeah. The yeah. tabloid outrage and all oh, that stuff. huge, yeah. Exactly. And as soon as you start getting that, it starts getting bigger and bigger. Okay, well, there's your singles. Okay. 
final leg of Genesis? Indeed. Genesis chapter... Chapter three. All right, so track number nine is Hold On My Heart. Listen to this insipid cack. It's just so dull, isn't it? Yeah. This was the third single. This was a single. Third single. Wow. Look, this formula of... I mean, basically what you got is it's a slow Phil Collins vocal. Mm. Uh, There's the odd bit of kind of Floydy power chord. And then just too much synth. I mean, I, again, just nothing from this at all. No, no, this this drains the life out of me, doesn't it? Yeah, this is, you know, everything that's wrong with music. One of my favourite expressions. (laughs) Yeah, no, by this point, this is my least favourite song so far because it's so dull. And I was going, oh, God, I hope this album's... I mean, I would describe that song as aggressively white. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) It's the Phil Anselmo of Genesis I mean, it really is. I mean, it's... (laughs) It, it's so white that it's kind of bleaching out. I mean, it, there are there are records next to it in the charts <laughs> that are becoming mixed race. Taylor, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, there's uh, there's nothing good about this whatsoever. No, let's Crap. move on from it. Got to number sixteen in the charts. Well, you can, a, what? There's people are twats. They really are. All right, yeah, number ten. Way of the world. Okay, so this one's a bit more upbeat. Yes, yeah, and David look good. So a bit of life at least in it. A bit, a bit of spacey almost. Mm. Uh, now you've said Huey Lewis in the news. That yeah. that riff sounds like them. I mean, that's, this sounds like a Huey Lewis song, doesn't it? And I don't quite get what this is about. Like, is it uh, the, you know the fight between right and wrong in the world, or is it how humans are fucking up the earth and nature? I don't. I don't, I'm not I'm, sure what I, it's about. I, I, I haven't made any uh, lyrical notes. I on must this admit, one. I don't care either way because no, no. I'm past that. So yeah, I mean, there's bits of Phil stuff that I like here. Some of the guitars okay as well. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying this song. Okay. Up to this point, yeah. right? And then we get to. I mean, I'm, I, I've no doubt that you've got the same note I have, uh-huh. right? We just get to this enormous keyboard solo yeah. that kind of vaguely sounds like our old friend the saxophone solo <laughs> but but you know if we're talking about friends I would invite the sax solo guy around to all my parties yeah. I would not tell the keyboard solo that this party was happening no absolutely not I would I would go as far no I I would straight up tell him he's not invited oh really just oh, you know, no mate it's not for you nah, sorry mate I, know, I mean your mate can come <laughs> yeah, yeah. your girl can yeah, come t- tell sax solo no problem yeah but or, no I mean, let's I, play a bit of it This is, this is the worst thing I've but ever heard. What, what you can't see is the look of absolute <laughs> fucking just impotent frustration on Krista's face. I, I, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen you like this, look this like kind of just nonplussed by I anything. I can't understand it. I can't fathom why. They're like, no, mate, just fucking run with this, Tony. Yeah. I mean, I have written here, I feel like all of this album's problems lie squarely at Tony Banks' feet. <laughs> really do. Yeah. He's got a lot to answer for. That, see, that wouldn't have been a bad song if that not had that in it. It wouldn't have been bad, but I get zero from this song at all. I, I mean, I've got asterisks mm. by 
uh, butter ones that I like. Okay. And I've got an Asterix by that one. Do you? Oh, I but, nothing. But the, only because there's some bits in it. And then crossed out from keyboards. Or yeah, the, pretty much. Yeah, Tipex, that fucker. Right, track number 11, <sighs> Since I Lost You, which is the uh, the repositor since I found you, bloody avalanches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, shouldn't laugh about this one, really. This is quite a very serious and sad subject. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, look, the thing is, right, it's, this is another massive keyboard ballad, right? Yeah. And if you read the lyrics, you know, it's, you know it seems like it's about a death. Yes. What? Yes. Someone that's died. But, look, we're talking about Phil Collins. It's probably just an ex-wife. <laughs> it's Eric Clapton's four-year-old son. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a one of my... Is that what that is? It is, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Because whenever I read the lyrics and just listened to it, I thought it could be interpreted as just the, the end of a relationship right. and people drifting apart, and I've lost you out of this. But then, yeah, I read into it, and it's he wrote it for Clapton right. after his son Connor yeah. died. I feel like I can't now. Yeah. And so it is about... It's, it's actually someone being not being there anymore at yeah. all, yeah. as opposed to just not being in your life sure. anymore. Sure. I mean, what I will say... I mean, I, I don't like this song. Oh, it's awful. It, what it has got, it's got some nice kind of like 60s BVs and the layering on that. I, I thought a wee bit for Phil Spector sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, we, we talked a bit when we talked about uh, But Seriously. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, it's the first episode yeah, we ever absolutely. did. Uh, obviously, that was a record that paid homage to a lot of his... You know, kind of sixties, yes, very much uh, over the yeah, top. Uh, yeah, he's you know, his soul influences. Exactly. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that he was really in, and you can really see that on this song, and that you can see all mm. the influences of, of it. Um, I just don't think it works very well as a song. No, it's... again, this is one where I don't think there's any real tune to it. No, I can like, like you say, I can see the influences, and I can see maybe what he's going for. Yeah, but he's forgotten to write a song. Yeah, it's you know it's, it's got some nice bits and nice touches in it, and you know obviously I don't mean to fucking mock mock a, a no, sentiment no, or something not. like that, but you know I, I I mean I'm past caring on this song. Oh no, totally. Um, and while it is obviously a lovely sentiment and it's written from the heart, all that shit, it's dull, 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 dull. Yeah. Um, it makes me go fucking next track. Yeah. I don't want to listen to this anymore. Uh, whereas it should be making me go. Oh fuck! That is a tragedy, and I'm yeah. very sad now. And I'm just going. This song's terrible. okay. Well, with that in mind, let's move on yeah, to the Christ. next track, which is the last track called "Fading Lights." Much like the lights of our interest in God, this record, yeah. it would appear. I know we did start a lot more you know, into this, didn't we? Yeah. Right. So this is the last song, and it's the longest song on the album. Yes, at ten and a half minutes. So we're starting off with another kind of big sci-fi kind of synth. It's like, oh, it's another slow one. Yeah. I mean, there there are some shit keyboards in this again. Oh yeah, but look, I mean, I'll, and this is where I'm at. Yeah, I'm I'm at a point mm. where I'm like, oh, this is just shit. Oh well, okay, I've ten minutes of this, I've got to listen to all of this. Yeah, but yep, okay, <laughs> uh, right, okay. I'm but glad then, I'm glad you said that because I was going to have to go. Well, but then three minutes thirty eight happens. Three minutes thirty eight is the exact <laughs> note I've got. Right, let's get to this bit. Right. Because uh, yeah, this this is a song about looking back at your life and seeing what you could have done differently, yeah. what could have changed. And the first th- with three and a half minutes is just this wishy-washy yeah. nonsense. And I think that's what I want. Looking back at what you've done and seeing what you could have done differently, because that plays very yeah. much into a note I've got about this. Okay, right, right. right? Which is because it's let, let's just let's ha- let's hear what it does. Right. Yeah. 
See, what, what you get now between 3 minutes 38 and 8 minutes 13 yeah. is just full mental fucking instrumental prog madness. Yeah, now this goes off on it, doesn't it? And it's glorious. It is great, yeah. And I'm like, and why didn't you just do this? Yeah, fair enough. I don't like that keyboard sound, but I'm, I'm letting it pass. Yeah. Because for this, where it's just going a bit crazy, fine. Okay. There it goes. Balls out nuts, yeah. right? Here we are. Here we go. What's going on here? Yeah. Now, this is another setting that I didn't know existed on a keyboard. Like, you know, and, and in a few years' time, DJ Shadow will sample this and it'll be a masterpiece, right? <laughs> yeah. And look, this is wonderful. I, 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 I'm glad that this exists. This, this yes. kind of five minutes, well, not quite five minutes, because yeah. it, it then goes back to the dull bit. At the end, it And does, it peters yes. out in t- for two minutes, right? Yeah. But for four and a half glorious minutes, this shit's happening. Yeah. And it's nuts and it's ridiculous and it's overblown and it's stupid and it's what I expected from a Genesis album I, I, I would have been more than happy if we had more of that right? yes yeah, but you know that whole thing of like they're going oh I'd look back and it's like well you just recorded the whole album why didn't you just do this right <laughs> why don't you do this more looking back over those nine tracks yeah so look I, I you know I mean I think for me too little too late yes and like you say it's bookended by three minutes of cack and two minutes of cack yeah yeah. So it's still not a great song, but no. it's but it is glorious. Oh, it's it one of my nuts. favourite bits of the record. Yeah. That, that little bit there. Yeah. So I mean, as an album, mm-hmm. it's. It, I mean, this is just bloat, isn't it? Yes. Uh, For it, the most it, part, it absolutely is. And I did see something written that they had initially because there, there were two songs they wrote for the album and they didn't release. They eventually were B sides because they were going to do it as a double album. But then they realised that most people were going to be listening to this on CD at this point. Right. So they went, well, what, how much can we fit in a CD? Let's fill a CD. So there was no editing going on no. on, is this good or is this bad? They went, we can fit 73 minutes. Let's make 73 minutes of music. Yeah. Um, which is a mistake. It's an absolute mistake. Without a doubt. It's it's much, much too long. And, I mean, there are things on here that just aren't songs. No, totally. And... Surely a producer listening back would go, boys, if we took this one off, because this is, you know, boring crap, and if you took this one off, there's a 10-track, 60-minute album, much tighter, much better. You'll you'll be remembered better. For I don't think there's a 10-track, 60... I, I don't think... Uh, no, no, no. I think this should be a, an 8-track, probably. Yeah, 8-track. Eight, eight I can see the worth of some, like some of the other ones. I think there are two or three that just should be never heard of again. I agree. Look, well, it brings us to that time where we need to choose a track. Oh, to put onto our playlist. Uh, And basically what we do is every album we listen to, every one of these number one albums that we listen to from the 90s, we pick at least one song up to a maximum of three songs that we like, think represent the album, and it goes into a playlist. Um, So, uh, yeah. Uh, In fact, we should do one for the Enya as well. Yeah, we should, because it was a number one album by an original artist. Okay, well, I'm I'm going with the single. Yeah. The the title single? uh, No, Caribbean Blue. Oh, Caribbean Blue, that's what it's called. It's it's the only one I really remember. It's kind of catchy. It's perfectly fine. And it's uh, the colour I've painted my shed. Caribbean blue. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. Uh, Okay, so that's that done. And so, Genesis. Okay, so we've got, I mean, uh, first of all, I'm saying there's not three songs I'm picking. No, I was going to suggest one. I, well, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, Jesus, Jesus he knows me. Yeah, yeah. Jesus he knows me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly what I would do. I think that is yeah. a great fun 
pop song. It's really not representative of this album. No. But it's the best thing on here. For if me. you had to go for a second, what would it be? Um, possibly no son of mine because I did like the chorus. Oh, on I don't that. like it at all. I, like well, the no, no, I don't dislike. I, no, I, I like the chorus. Yeah, uh, I both don't like the song. If, I think if I was having to pick a second one, yeah, I would be arguing for fading lights. Oh, I see. Okay, just because. Fuck it. Yeah, yeah ten minutes of that. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, let's let's not do it to ourselves. No, if we could, if there was an edit of it, no, fuck it. We're not going to put it on the playlist, but do go and have a listen. Go listen, Listen yeah. to the middle section of yeah. that song, yeah, sure. And guys, if you're diehard Genesis fans, get in contact, tell us why we're arseholes. Yeah. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, guys, as always. If you're listening to this in real time as we're releasing, we're actually going to be taking a two-week break now for Christmas and New Year. Indeed. Um, we'll, be back, we'll be back. We'll be back in January 2020. That seems oh, nuts, fuck. doesn't it's it? The future. What it's, the fuck yeah. is going on there, man? Where yes. I will be old and you'll nearly be old. Yeah, it's true enough. Um, yeah, you... so the, the very last few of season two are going to come out at the start of 2020. Exactly. So the last number one album of uh, 1991 will be the first one we release next year yes. and what is that Krista? that's going to be Michael Jackson Dangerous yes he was yes exactly yeah. as always thank you very much and we will see you next time alright goodbye thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen it was produced and edited by us for which we can only apologise we are on Twitter at PCL Podcast on Instagram also at PCL Podcast and facebook.com slash podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com. 